Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. My name is Talbot Davis. I'm the pastor here. And as always, really glad to be able to connect with you. We are starting this brand new series on how it is that your life and my life can have a little bit more oomph and our faith can have some more punch. It's all about moving from empty tanks to being filled people. And it's really going to focus in on God, the Holy Spirit. And you'll see how all of those things connect together. Today's message, the first message in the series is called Sermon Interrupted. And if you have your Bible with you, this message comes from the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament, Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 27 and, and on through verse 44, 46 actually. Uh, maybe you have a Bible that looks like this, or, or maybe your Bible's loaded on your phone. In either way, that's just great. Either open your Bible to that place or scroll on your phone or look up on the screen at the right time because if you didn't bring a Bible and it's not on your phone, we still got you covered. The words are going to be up on the screen because we think it's really essential for you to get what it is that I'm talking about or anybody's talking about to see the scripture for yourself. We believe a couple of things about the Bible. One of them is, is uh, just kind of a fact and we remind ourselves of this a lot. Not book is library. It looks like a book, but it's a collection of a lot of books written by a lot of authors over a long span of time in multiple writing styles. And the book of Acts, actually, it's a little bit unique. It's in the New Testament, and it's written by Luke, the same author who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And it's really Luke volume two, and, uh, but unique among the books in the Bible. The book of Acts is kind of like a, it's part travel narrative. It's part church history. If you've ever wondered, well, where did the church come from? How did it, how was it born? How did it expand? The origin story is all right there in the book of Acts. And so we're going to be able to dig into a, a story within the larger story in Acts chapter 10. And that's just all, all that kind of stuff I've just said that you may not have known is factual. The second thing that we believe about the Bible, we think is also factual, but we understand it moves to the realm of treasured conviction. And it may be the kind of thing you're not sure about yet, or you, you may be like, yes, thank you church for believing that. Wherever you are is okay. We just wanna be clear. And it's this, that in leadership at this church, we believe there's no other library like this one, that God, the Holy Spirit, breathed his life into its words. He put his truth onto its pages. And the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And because we believe that, here we do this kind of different thing when we talk about the Bible at this church and we lift it up in the air. And if you've not, again, if you haven't been here or you hadn't tuned in before and you're like, this just looks kind of strange with all those Bibles in the air. We admit it. This is different, but we've discovered this is a moment of oddity. We're that weird church that people lift up their Bibles. It's a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community. We're a collection of people surrendered to the authority of the word and ready for its power to be let loose in our lives. Amen? Amen. Hey, before I say another word, let's pray. God, you are good and your Holy Spirit is good and, and everything that we get to learn about today is Good. And so I ask that you would enter into my words with, with your joy and your power and your truth, and you would impact lives all around not only this physical space, but digital space. Because Lord, I'm just really glad, delighted to be able to confess that I am powerless without you. And because of you, I'm never helpless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So this series is called Empty Tank, and it really is about moving the gas gauge in our lives from E to F, from empty to full, about how it is in our lives that a lot of us can stop running on empty, stop feeling depleted, and instead live lives where where we feel like we've got all the energy that we need to live a life of, of impact and integrity to actually be the kind of people we say we are and And it's really a little bit interesting, the whole kind of genesis of this series and even thinking together with you about God, the Holy Spirit, it takes me back to the very first day of a mission trip to an orphanage in Kenya in the year of our Lord, 2006, where a team from Good Shepherd was there. And on the first day of that mission trip, a very nice guy from this church. I mean, he's like one of the nicest guys in the history of the church. He comes up to me and he says, Talbot, first day of mission trip, Talbot, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? It's really kind of a heavy question. I mean, like at least wait till day five to ask that question. But he, he asked on day one and, and, and my answer, I stammer, stammered and I fumbled around and I'm pretty sure that I answered with a whole lot of nothing on that day. But what his question in retrospect, what he was really dealing with and asking about was, was he was saying, Talbot, I just would like for my life to have some more oomph to it. I'd like my faith to have punch. I would like for Jesus to feel like more than he's just words on a page or notes in the air. I just think about my life in faith and and I want more. And some of you may be the same way. In fact, some of you may have asked that kind of question in the past and when it didn't get answered well or you didn't feel it inside, that may be why walking with Jesus is a thing of your past. How, 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 Talbot, how do I live a life where my faith is more, where I stop running on empty and I start living a life of fullness. Well, those of you who are geniuses at math, you know that question was asked in 2006. And we're now, what year? We are now in, come on people, 2021, which means it's only taken me 15 years to figure out an answer to that question. And yet the the good news or maybe the unsettling news is that part of figuring out the answer to that question that very nice guy asks me is is that we have to dig into a story in scripture that actually has like my worst nightmare, which is a sermon that gets interrupted. Because here's here's what's going on. We're we're in the book of Acts and it's the history of the early church and talks about church grew and flourished and expanded. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter, one of the, like the alpha male of the alpha males of the early church, and he's a recognized leader of the church. And and he's with this uh, uh, assembled gathering. Look how it is described in Acts chapter 10, verse 27. This is the beginning of the story. Acts chapter 10, verse 27. While Peter was talking with him, while, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And when it says a large gathering of people, I'm going to take that. Okay, that was a good Sunday live attendance before COVID. So Peter, Peter had it going on, a large gathering of people. And so he begins to give them this address. And, and the address that Peter gives them, which is kind of like a sermon, and we'll come back to it, I promise. 
That's the bulk of what happens between verses 34 and 44. Like I said, we'll get back to it. But look what happens towards the end of Peter's message in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10. Notice this. So he's, he's standing in front of a large group of people. He's giving a sermon for crying out loud. And verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, meaning he's in the middle of his message, he's still delivering his address. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And I read that, I'm like, whoa, Mr. Holy Spirit of God, what are you doing here? You didn't let Peter reach his spellbinding conclusion. You didn't wait for the band to come up before you made your entrance. You didn't even wait for Peter to say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. The Holy Spirit just showed off by interrupting that sermon. And what happened when the Holy Spirit showed off? Verses 45 and 46. The circumcised believers, that means the Jewish people, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, people who weren't Jewish. Verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So, so what happened, good shepherd, is that at the end of the message, before Peter even finishes, the Holy Spirit shows off, interrupts, the message stops, and all these empty people become filled with God the Holy Spirit. And that praying in tongues stuff, that, that's good, by the way. We'll get into that in a little bit, but that's nothing to be scared of, nothing to run away from there. All that is good. But the point is, these people, these people in Acts chapter 10, they get the living, breathing, vivid example of my friend's question, the answer to my friend's question. How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? And we see it happen right there. And all that, all that, this interrupted sermon, that has to bring up this question. Well, what was Peter talking about? If, if he begins the address in verse 27, and in verse 44, the Spirit interrupts and, and it's like Peter has prepared the way for the Holy Spirit really to give people a life of oomph and, and punch in their faith. What has Peter been talking about? Because there has to be a connection between the address that he gives and the way that the Holy Spirit responds. And so take a look. Look at how it is that Peter begins this message that ultimately gets interrupted. It starts in verse 34, when Peter is addressing this large assembly of people. Then Peter began to speak. That's how I know this is the beginning. I got my thinking. That's how, how I know it's the beginning of the talk. I now realize how true that God does not show favoritism. Now remember, He's addressing a group of people and some of them are Jewish and some of them are not Jewish and there's a lot of skepticism and animosity towards one another. And Peter's like, be done with that, people. God doesn't show any favoritism. We're not inviting some people. We're not inviting cool people. We're not inviting the right people into a living relationship with Jesus. We're inviting all people into a living relationship with Jesus. Verse 38, look at what Peter says next. Verse 36, you can go to verse 38, but I won't be there. Verse 36, you know the message that God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, comma, who is Lord of all. So he's talking a lot to, to Gentile people, non-Jewish non people. And he, and he says to them, you all know what happened, don't you? God sent Jesus 
to the children of Israel, but Jesus is Lord of all. And I, I, and I love that because you, you know this, don't you? That if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of everything, he's not Lord of anything. He's not bound by geography. He, he's not bound by border. He's Lord of all of it. And, and, and because he's not a part-time savior, he's not looking for part-time followers. Peter goes on. Verse 37, and you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, that's John the Baptist. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. And so P Peter, again, he's, he's going back to the history. He goes, hey, people, you know what happened when Jesus was walking the earth down in Judea? He was teaching, he was healing, he was doing all kinds of good things. And why was he doing all kinds of th good things? Because God was with him. And that doesn't mean that God was alongside him. It means that Jesus was so inundated with God, so much the incarnation of God, that there's nothing of Jesus that also wasn't fully of God. There's not a single space anywhere in Jesus that's not also completely filled with God in a way that's never happened with anybody before and has never happened with anybody since. But, but notice, notice the topic of what Peter is talking about, Jesus. Just this pile on of accolades and compliments and truth about Jesus. Look what he says in verse 39. We are witnesses of everything that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross. We are witnesses. Now, if you've, if you've not been here before, you've only been a couple of times, you might not have heard me say this before. And if you've been coming a while you, and, and paying attention, you've probably heard me say this before, but, but it, it always bears repeating. I don't know if you know this or not. Our faith, the, the Christian faith, is not based on philosophy. It's built on history. When Peter says, we are witnesses, He's saying this stuff happened. Things happened the way they always do. Actually, in this case, things happen the way they never have before and never will again. And we saw them. And the foundation of our faith is not speculation. It's observation. The Christian faith is not a philosophy like, oh, let's just all be good and kind to each other. No, it is a history a history of what God did in a man who walked around in what is today Israel and that history still makes us and shapes us today. And you may not realize this, you may never have thought of this before today, but this is what separates the Christian faith from every religion and every philosophy and every worldview on earth. All the others are based on some kind of philosophy. We are built on history and it's history that matters. And, and notice what, what Peter says. They, they killed him by hanging him on the cross. We saw it, people. I was there, Peter is saying. I saw him on the cross and it was bloody and it was beautiful all at the same time. But this stuff happened. And he goes on, verse 40. 
But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. I love that. But God, he was dead on the cross. It was bloody and it was beautiful, dot, dot, dot. But God, and I know, amen. I, I know so many of you have your own, but God moments. You might even be having one right now. And some of you, as you look back in the history of your life, you would be dead but God. You'd be in jail, but God. You'd be in rehab again, but God. And in this case, this is the, 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 the but gods of, of, of all but gods, that Jesus was dead, but he burst through the grave and rose from the dead. And this is the history that shapes us and makes us. And look how Peter reiterates it again and caused him to be seen at every moment, every step along the way. Peter's like, we saw this stuff happen. I'm not making it up. It's not a philosophy, it's history. I saw it and all, I just can't talk about Jesus enough. I want you all, Peter is saying to his large assembly, I want you to know the truth about Jesus. I'm dropping truth bombs about Jesus all over you. Whatever else I'm talking about today, Peter's saying, my subject is Jesus. And look what happens in verse 41. Peter's still talking. He, Jesus was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And so Peter's saying, well, not everybody saw him, kind of a select few. By the way, I'm one of the select few. I love how he puts that in there, by us. Uh, but, but about we know it was over 500 people saw Jesus resurrected. But notice this kind of odd detail, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now, why would it include that? Well, in ancient Israel, they believed that angels were real and they believed that ghosts were real. They just believed that they did not have digestive tracts. So angels couldn't eat and drink and ghosts couldn't eat and drink. And Peter wants his audience to know, oh, this guy, this Jesus, he's no apparition, he's all resurrection. He's no angel. He's the Messiah over all the angels and all the people. And we saw it happen and we actually tasted the food with him and we drank the drink with him. All of that is what he's saying. And so then, then Peter keeps talking. He's, he talked about all the history. Notice my subject, his subject, Jesus, Jesus more Jesus. Peter's saying to the people, I just want you all to savor Jesus. I want you to know the truth about Jesus. I want you to be in love with Jesus. And look what he says about what Jesus is going to do. Verses 42 and 43. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So we've been given a mission, Peter says. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So people, Peter's saying, I've told you what Jesus did. I told you how I saw him bloody and beautiful on the cross. I told you how there was that, but God raised him from the dead. And now he's told, he's told us, Peter and the other leaders, to tell everybody about this history, about this Jesus. And so what Peter has done throughout this whole, and there's coming a day, Peter is saying, that Jesus is gonna come back and he's gonna offer forgiveness and he's also gonna offer judgment to people who deny him, forgiveness to people who accept him. He is the one who's in charge of all of that. But what I want you to notice that, that Peter has done 
is that the whole talk from beginning to end has been about Jesus. It's been adoration of Jesus. It's been admiration of Jesus. It's been information about Jesus that Jesus has so soaked that room that Peter is in. It is such a in Christ alone moment. And look what happens as a result of this talk that Peter is given that's been all about Jesus. It's like Peter is saying, we can't lift up Jesus high enough. We can't talk about him long enough. We can't praise him loudly enough. And what happens? Look at verse 44. Look at it again. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Ah, now I get it. It's only taken me 15 years, but now I get it. Because the the sequencing of the story, the way that Luke tells it, because Luke's a genius. I don't know if y'all know that. Luke is a brilliant writer. And by sequencing the story the way that he does, it's so clear what he is trying to communicate that once once a, a person, once a church, once a community lifts Jesus up high enough, then and only then has the way been prepared for the Holy Spirit to fill up empty lies. Because here's what I want you to know, Good Shepherd. The Holy Spirit turns the truth about Jesus into an experience of Jesus. That if you're one of those people and, and you want to, you, you're like, oh, man, I want to, whatever it looks like, I, I want a life that has more oomph and more punch and more, more reality. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you got to be thrilled by the Savior. And if you're one of those people, I, I just want to go to, I, I want to go to a spirit-filled church. Make sure it's a Jesus-soaked one first. Because what the Holy Spirit specializes in doing is helping you and to me and me adore Jesus more, learn more about Jesus, revere Jesus even more. And then and only then, when our hearts are sufficiently Jesus-soaked, that's when we become spirit-filled. See, we, we, we've gotten in a little bit of trouble in church land. We've, we've, in many ways, we turn the Holy Spirit, God the, God the Holy Spirit, into a kind of a spectacle. In fact, some of you, maybe that be, is your understanding of, of the Holy Spirit because you've, you've heard about those churches where they talk about the Holy Spirit a lot and you're thinking, oh Lord, there's gonna be people running up and down the aisles and handling snakes and falling out. And, and don't, that, that's next week. That's week two of the series. And, <laughs> And, and what we've done is we've turned him into a spectacle. But really, really, how the Holy Spirit longs to operate in your life and my life. It's so much like what would happen is if you went to an auditorium one night. And let's say it was when Billy Graham was still alive. And, and Billy Graham was giving the address that night. The, the auditorium was dark. And at just the right time, the, 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 in that darkened auditorium, the spotlight came on Billy Graham. And there he was behind the podium with the spotlight on him so everybody could see him. And yet what people did in that auditorium is they stood up, turned around, and faced the guy operating the spotlight, the guy in the sound and light booth, and they gave him a standing ovation. Well, that's absurd. That's not what you do. The guy doing the spotlight is so you will see the one being spotlit. Well, it's the same with the Holy Spirit. His role 
is not to draw attention to himself. His role is to spotlight the Savior. His role is to highlight the Father. The Holy Spirit's role in our lives, the Holy Spirit's operating in the church is to elevate all of our appreciation for the glory of God and the grandeur of Jesus. And the more that the Father and the more that the Son increase, the Spirit He's back in the shadows. He's just delighting in the work that he's made accomplished. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, let yourself be thrilled. Thrilled with the Savior. Man, it makes me think about a conversation I had um, over 22 years ago now, actually, when, when I had just moved to Charlotte and, and I was like the new kid in town and, and there was a, a, a ministry, kind of a clergy alliance ministry. And they were, because I was new in town, they were asking me to join. And I didn't know what to think about this ministry of kind of clergy cooperative dealio. And so I had a, a, a preacher friend who'd been in Charlotte three or four years longer than I. I mean, I have preacher friends and, and, and I... And I respected him. And so you got it there on the front row. And so I, I, I asked him what, what he thought of this ministry. Well, he told me about the time when he was the new kid in town three or four years earlier. And the same ministry had approached him about joining. And he'd begun to tell them about sort of his approach to being a pastor and the kind of church that he served. And the ministry people asked him, oh, with kind of a sneer in their voice, oh, are you one of those Christ-centered churches? To which my friend replied, I didn't know there's any other kind. Well, hallelujah, there's not any other kind. By the way, I didn't join that organization. There's not any other kind. The Holy Spirit takes the truth about about Jesus. That's why we want you to know the facts of Jesus's life. We want you to know what he taught and we want you to know what he said. And we want you to know that he really did die on the cross and that he really did rise from the dead. His body got out of the grave. It didn't just happen in the disciples' minds. It wasn't just a spiritual experience. No, we want you to know those facts about Jesus because the Holy Spirit takes that beautiful history that history that makes you and makes me and the Holy Spirit turns that into an experience of Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not. We, 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 talk, we talk a lot about history here and our faith not based on philosophy, built on history. When you understand this, when you get this, man, you will understand that the most important thing that ever happened in your life, hallelujah, it didn't happen in your life. The most important thing that ever happened in your life happened in Jesus's life. And when you anchor your soul to his history, you can stop all your striving. You can stop trying to be great because he's been great on your behalf. You can stop trusting your goodness to get you to heaven because you trust his goodness, which is a lot better than yours anyway. When you understand, ah, that history makes me when you adore that, when you allow yourselves to be soaked in that, to, to savor the goodness of God, you, you will get a breakthrough case of the Holy Spirit. We, knew it. We, need, we need those kind of breakthrough cases in our world more than the other kind. Amen? And I love it. I love seeing it when it happens. You know, sometimes when we, when we sing here and and sing songs about the resurrection. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. And if, and if you didn't grow up in church, 
just, you'll just have to overhear this. It might not, and I didn't grow up going to church either, but I do remember singing out of hymnals. Y'all remember hymnals? And the, the great hymns in the hymnals, they're about the cross, the old rugged cross. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. Those old songs about the resurrection, Christ the Lord is risen today is maybe the most famous. It's really hard to sing. But the new one singing about resurrection, God has given the church such a gift, the resurrected king who's resurrecting me. Does it get, the, the grave was borrowed for three days and we're standing up and we're singing those songs about the resurrection and people here, I mean, we're just a regular church and people here, that's when you start applauding. That's when you start whooping. That's when you start hollering. Why? Because we're lifting up Jesus and the Holy Spirit breaks through. That's how it works. Or it's like that guy who, who gets, he lives down in Texas and he gets our, our daily emails, the word before the world. And isn't that cool? Your ministry, Good Shepherd, it extends to the Lone Star State. And he sent me an email one time in response to one of those. And he says, you know, the more I learn about Jesus, the more my emotions get healed. Huh. The more I learn about Jesus, the more my emotions get healed. Do you want to be filled with the Savior? Let yourself, filled with the Spirit, let yourself be thrilled with the Savior. Or it's even like the very first time that this thing happened to me that Acts chapter 10 talks about with that, that they, they came on the, and they prayed in tongues. And this is 30 years ago or so. And, and I was just praying by myself and I was just praised. It's preceded, praise the name of Jesus, praise the name of Jesus and praise the name of Jesus. And what happened was I think the Holy Spirit came in and, and I began to praise the name of Jesus in a language that I did not know. And that's, yeah, a Methodist preacher at a Methodist church. Talk about praying in tongues. The foundation of this building has not cracked. You, you, there are so many more people who pray this way at this church than you realize. You might be sitting next to someone who does. This is biblical. This is, this is good. And it all happens when the name of the Savior is lifted up and he's adored and you're soaked in him and you get a breakthrough case of God the Holy Spirit. I even... I love how this works in the Bible. I, I love how the, the Bible flows together. Take a look up on the screen and, and what uh, a story that we read in Mark chapter nine and verses two and three. It's called the story of the transfiguration. I'll, I'll show you what I'm doing with this in just a minute. And, and Mark, Mark is a book of history. Mark paints a picture. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured, turned inside out before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. So you got that. And then over at Colossians chapter one, where Paul is writing a letter to the church in Colossae, and look what he says about Jesus. The son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Well, you know why I had to see those two things one right after? Because they are saying the exact same thing. Mark paints a picture. 
because he's telling the story and the picture is Jesus turned inside out on the mountain. Paul writes an essay because that's what his letter is, but they are saying the exact same thing. Jesus is Lord and there is no other good shepherd. And when you realize who it is who has inspired the Bible, it's God, the Holy Spirit, it all comes together so perfectly. It's enough to make you convinced that it's inspired and eternal and true. Amen. If you want to be filled with the Savior, let yourself, with the Spirit, let yourself be thrilled with the Savior. So are you one of those people and you're running on empty? You're unable to to feel much about this faith or maybe even worse, every once in a while you feel it, but you're not able to walk in any kind of consistent integrity or obedience. Or are you one of those folks who've, who've just played on the periphery of faith for a long time and all of your life is really just sort of depleted? Man, if you're one of those people who like my good friend on that Kenya mission trip, Talbot, I just want to be filled with the Spirit. Listen, listen, listen. Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Focus on the Savior. Understand that His incarnation, His instruction, His crucifixion, His resurrection, His ascension, and His completion, recognize that all of that, all of that, is the basis of your life and is the fruit of so much savoring on how good it is, you will get that breakthrough case of the Holy Spirit when your life from beginning to end is all about in Christ alone. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be a Spirit-filled church at Good Shepherd, and we know that we can only be spirit-filled when we are Jesus-soaked. We ask that you'd break through. We ask that you would interrupt us, interrupt our lives to fill us with your Spirit. We adore you. We surrender at the foot of the cross. We celebrate the victory of the empty tomb. We so anticipate your soon and coming return. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.